0: The Spectre Bride,
1: the Castle of Henswolf, the close of the year sixteen fifty five, as a result of fashion and gaiety. The Baron of that name was the most powerful nobleman in Germany, and equally celebrated for the patriotic achievements of his sons, the beauty of his only daughter, the estate of Henswolf, which was situated in the centre of the Black Forest but given to one of his ancestors by the gratitude of the nation, descended with other hereditary possessions, the family, the present owner, it was Gothic mansion, built according to the fashion of the times, the grand style of ancient culture, considered princely a dark winding royal corridors and vaulted tapestry rooms, magnificent indeed in their size, but they all suited to private comfort. The very circumstance of their dreary multitude, multitude, a dark grove of pine and mountain ash encompassed the castle, every side threw an aspect of gloom around the scene, which was seldom enlivened by the cheering sunshine of heaven. The castle bells rang out a merry peal that approached the winter twilight. The warden was stationed at his re- regiture, the battlements to announce the arrival of the company who arrived to share the amusements that reigned within the walls. The lady Cotillier, the Baron's only daughter, had just obtained her seventieth year. A brilliant assembly was invited to celebrate the birthday. The large vaulted apartments were thrown open for the reception of numerous guests and gaieties of the evening as scarcely commenced when the clock from the dungeon tower was heard to strike an unusual sum- similarity. And on the instant a tall stranger arranged in a black suit of black made his appearance in the dining ballroom. room. He bowed closely on each, every side received all, by all with a the series of stricture of verve. No one knew who he was or whence he came, but it was evident from his appearance that he was a nobleman of the first rank, though his introduction was accepted with distrust, he was treated by all with respect. He addressed himself so particularly to the daughter of the baron as so intelligent in his marks, so lively, his sorties, and so fascinating with his dress that he quickly interested the feelings of his young, sensitive altertor in fine, after some hesitation. And the part of the host, who, with the rest of the company, was unable to approach the stranger with indifference, he was requested to remain a few days at the castle, an invitation which was cheerfully accepted. The dead of night drew on, and when all were retired to rest, a dull, heavy bell was heard swinging to and fro in the grey tower. Though there was scarcely a breath to move the forest trees, many of the guests, when they met the next morning at the breakfast table, averred they had been sounds of the most heavenly music, while they all persisted in affirming they had heard awful noises, proceeding, as it seemed, the apartment which stranger at the time occupied. He soon, however, made his appearance at the breakfast circle, and when the circumstances of the preceding night were alluded to, a dark smile of utterly atable meaning played around his Saturnian features, and then relapsed to expression of deepest melancholy. He answered his conversation piously to Colletier, and when he talked of the different climes he had visited, of the sunny regions of Italy, where the very air breathes a fragrance of flowers, the sun breeze sighs over land of sweets. When he spoke of her to her those delicious countries, where the smile of the day sinks into the softer of the night, and loneliness of heaven is never an instant obscured. He drew tears of regret from the bosom of his fair auditor, and for the first time she regretted that she was yet at home. Dolly's rolled on and every moment increased the fervor of the expressible sentiments which the stranger inspired her. He never discoursed of love, but he le- looked into, it, but he looked it in his language, in his manner, and incinerating tone of his voice, and a slumbering softness of his smile. We found he succeeded in inspiring her with fabled sentiments, a sneer, a most diabolical meaning, spoken instant and died again on his dark, featured countenance, When well, he met her in the company of her parents. He was at once respectful and submissive. It was only when alone with her, in a ramble through the dark recesses of the forest, he assumed the guise of more impassioned Amara. He, as, as he was sitting one evening with the Baron in the waste cutted apartment of his library. Conversation happened to turn more supernatural agency. The stranger remained so reserved and mysteriously during the conversation. But when the Baron in jocular manner denied his of spirits and satisically mocked their appearance, his eyes glowed with an earthly lustre. His form seemed to dilate to more than its natural dimensions. When the conversation ceased, a fearful pause, a few seconds of the chorus of celestial harmony was heard peeing over through the dark forest glade. All were entranced with a delight, but a stranger was disturbed and gloomy. He looked at his noble host of compassion, and something like a tear swam in his dark eye. After lapsed a few seconds, the music died gently in the bit distance and always hushed as before baron soon had quitted the apartment, and was followed almost immediately by the stranger he had not long been absent with an awful noise as from a person in the agonies of death was heard and the baron was discovered stretched dead along the corridors his countenance was convulsed with pain and the grip of a human hand was visible the blackened throat the alarm was instantly given. The castle searched in every bar- direction. The stranger was seen no more. The body of the baron, in the meantime, is quite, com- quite committed to the earth. A rem- remembrance of the dreadful transition, but it's a thing that was once was. After the departure of the stranger, who indeed fascinated her very sense, the spirits of the gentle Colite, evidently declined. She will, loved to walk early, and late in the walk, love late in the walks, and she once frequented. Recall his last words as well as his sweet smile, one to the spot where she had once discoursed with him of love. She avoided all society, never seemed to be happy. But when left alone in solitude of a chamber, it was when, then she gave vent to affection. In tears and love of that pride, the maiden modestly concealed in the public, burst forth for the hours of privacy. So brutishly, this, this yet so resigned for the fair mourner. But she seemed already an angel freed from the trembles of the world, prepared to take f- a flight to heaven. As for, as well, as she. W- as she was one summer evening rambling to the sequented spot, and one had been selected to her favorite re- residence, a slow step advanced towards her. She turned round and to her an infinite surprise discovered the stranger. He stepped gaily to her side and commenced an animated conversation. You left me, exclaimed the delighted girl. I thought all happiness was fled. We forever, but return, and shall we not begin to be happy? Happy," replied the stranger. A scornful burst of derision. "Can I never be happy again? Can there? But excuse the agitation. I love and input. put into the pleasure I experience at our meeting. Oh, I have many things to tell you. I, and many kind words to receive. It is not so? It's not so sweet, one. Come, tell me truly. Have you been happy in my absence? No. See that so can I. In a plaited cheek. A poor wanderer was at least gained some slight interest in the heart of his beloved. I have roamed to other climes, I have seen in other nations. I have met with other females, beautiful, accomplished by her men. I have met with one but one angel. She is here before me. Set this simple offering on my affection, dearest, continued the stranger, plucking a heath row from its stem. It's beautiful as well as the wild flowers that deck your hair, as sweet as love I bear thee. It is sweet indeed, replied Kulitier. But its sweetness must wither where night closes around. It's beautiful, but its beauty is short lived, as a love enticed by man. Let not this then be the type of that thy attachment. Bring me the delicate evergreen, a sweet flower that blossoms. Throughout that year I will say as I weave into my hair, the violets have bloomed and died. The roses have flushed and decayed. But the, ever, the, the evergreen is still young. And so the love is this, the, the love of the heart. You will not, cannot desert me. I live but in you. You are my hopes, my faults, my existence itself. If I lose you, I lose my all. But I, I was but a solitary wildflower, a wilderness of nature. Until you transformed me, planted me in some genial, gentle, Genial spot, soil. And can you now break the fond heart you first taught to glow with passion? Speak not thus, returned the stranger. It tends to my very soul to hear you. Leave me, forget me, avoid me forever. or oh, your eternal ruin must ensue. Sue. So, show! I am a thing abandoned by God and man. Did you not see the sacred heart that scarcely beats within this moving mass of deformity? You would flee me as you would an adder in your path. Here is my heart, love, how feel how cold it is. There's no pulse that betrays its emotion, for all is chilled and dead as the friends I once knew. Your unhappy love and your poor Kalita shall stay shall stay to succour you. Think not I can abandon you in your misfortunes, nor will I wander with thee through the wild world wide world, world, be thy servant, thy slave, Thou wilt have it so. It will shield thee from the night winds, That blow not too roughly on thy unprotected head, I defend thee from the tempest that howls around, And through the cold world may devote thy name to scorn, Though friends may fall off and associates within the grave, There shall be one fond heart, Who shall love thee better in your misfortune, Cherish thee, bless thee still, she creased and her blue eyes swollen in tears. From her tears, she turned it glittering reflection towards a stranger. stranger. He Heverted his head from her gaze. A scornful sneer, the darkest and deepest menace, passed over his fine countenance. An instant expression subsided. His fixed glossy eye resumed to its unearthly chillness. He turned over again to his companion. It's the hour of sunset, exclaiming the soft, a beauteous hour, where the hearts of lovers are happy and nature smiles in unison with their feelings, but for me...
0: This is the story of the wad. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by Granger for the ones who get it done.
1: It will smile no longer. I hear tomorrow dawns. I shall be very far from the house of my beloved, the scenes where my heart is enshrined in as a super. But I must leave de- thee, dearest flower of the wilderness. To be sport of whirlwind well, well and prey of the whirlwind well, mountain blast. No, we will not part, replied the impression girl. Where thou go, goest, I will go. Thy home shall be my home. Thy God shall be my God. Swear it, swear it, resumed. Soon the stranger, wildly grasping her by the hand, swear to the fearful oath I will dictate. He then desired her to kneel and holding his right hand in menacing attitude towards heaven, and throwing back his dark, raving looks locks, exclaimed in a strain of bitter, and ghastly smile, an incarnate fiend. made a curse of the offended God he cried, hotly cling to thee, for ever the tempest, and own calm, the day and the night, the sickness and sorrow, in love, life, life and death, should thy swerve, the promise thou hast here made to be made in May. May the dark spirits of the how howl, with the fine, fine ears, the cursed chorus of our fiends. May, may that, that air rack thy bosom with the quenched fame flame of hell. May thy soul, as a laser house of the corruption, where the ghost of departed pleasure sits enshrined, the grave of a hundred-headed worm never dies, where the fire is never extinguished, May spirit of evil lord it over the brow of claim, as did thy by. This is abandonment of God, they specters, in the of man, thy fearful spectres fault. thee the each season, may thy dearest friends drop day by day, to grave and curse thee from thy dying breath. May all that is most horrible in the human nature, both seldom in language care and frame, or lips can utter, may this, and more than this, be thy eternal potion. Shallest thy violate the oath that thou hast taken, he ceased, hardly knowing what she did. She, the terrified girl descended to the awful adoration and promised atonement for her to him, who is henceforth to be her lord, spirits of the damned. I thank thee for this fine insistence, shouted the stranger. I wooed my fair braid bravely. She is mine, mine forever. I body and soul, both mine, mine in life and mine in death. What in tears, my sweet one, are you yet, yet? in the honeymoon's past? Why well, indeed, I hast cause cause for weeping, but when next we meet we shall meet to sign the natural bond, he then imprinted a cold salute on the cheek of his own bride, softening down in unutterable horrors, his countenance requested for her to meet him. Eight o'clock was ensuing evening in the chapel, journey to the chapel, Hensworth Wolf, she turned around to him. The Bunny sigh, if to deplore protection from himself. The stranger was gone. On entering the castle, she observed to be impressed with the deepest melancholy of relations, vainly endeavored to assertion the, the cause of uneasiness, but a tremendous oath. She had sworn completely paralyzed of facilities. She was fearful of betraying herself to even the slightest intonation of her voice, or maybe, or least favourable expression of her countenance. When the evening was concluded, the family retired to rest, but Kalite, was unable to take response pose for the restlessness of the disposition, requested to remain alone in the library, adjoined at apartment apartment. All was now deep midnight. Every domestic but had long since retired to rest, and all the sound had been disguised disgust, distinguished the sudden howl of a band dog, who obeyed the waning moon, Kalite remained in library, an attitude of deep meditation. A lamp was burnt on the table. When she sat on the, was dying away. Lower end of the apartment, they already made, their half, more than half obscured. A clock for the northern angle of the castle tolled out the hour of twelve. The sound echoed distantly in solemn stillness of the night. Suddenly an no open door, the far, further end of the room, was gently lifted at its hatch. A bloodless figure, appelled in the habitat the, of the grave, advanced slowly up the apartment the apartment. No sound heralded its approach. It moved with noiseless noiseless steps to the table where the lady was stationed. She did not at first perceive it. She felt the cold deaf cold her hand, first, first grasped her own, and held heard a solemn voice. Solemn voice whispering away, and her ear She looked up, the dark figure was standing beside her. She endeavoured to scream, but her voice was unequal to exertion. Her eyes, as fixed as if by magic, on the form which slowly removed the garb that it concealed its countenance, it disclosed the livid eyes and the skeletal shape of her father. It seemed to gaze on her with pity, and regret, and mournfully exclaimed, Glitter, the dresses and servants are ready. The bell, which bell was tolled? The priest is at the altar. But where is the advanced, advanced bride?" There is room for her in the grave, and tomorrow shall be, she will be with me. Okay. Tomorrow, filtered out, filtered out the distracted girl. The spirits of hell shall be registered, it, have registered. It. Tomorrow must be the bond be cancelled. The figure ceased, slowly retired, and soon lost its scurity distance. The morning, evening arrived, and Woody, already as the clock, all clock struck eight, Kalita was on the road to the chapel. It was a dark, gloomy night. Thick masses of dud clouds sailed across the filament. A roar of the winter wind echoed awfully through the trussed trees. She reached a the appointed place. A figure was waiting for her. It advanced to discover the features of the stranger. Why, this is well, my bride, he exclaimed. This near well. I repay thy fondness. Follow me. They proceeded together in silence for the winding, winding avenues of the chapel until they reached the adjoining cemetery. Here they passed for an instant. Then strange and softened tone said, But one hour more and struggle will be over. Yet this heart of incarnate menace can feel when it devotes so young, so pure a spirit in it to the grave. But it must, it must be. Receded as the memory of a past love rushed and her mind. For the fiend whom I obey has so willed it, poor girl, I lead thee indeed to your nuptials, but a priest with deaf; thy parents, the moulding skeletons that rot in heaps around the witness to your union, the lazy worms that revel, the covetous bones of the dead. Come in, my young bride, the priest is impatient for his, vit- my vict- his victim. As we see, the dim blue light moved swiftly before them, displayed as a ceremony. The churchyard, the portals of a vault, is open. He entered it in silence. A hollow wind came rushing through the gloomy bode of the dead. The every side were piled with smoldering remembrance of the coffins, which dropped piece by piece for the damp mud. Every step that looked. Took was an empty, a dead, dead body. A breach, bones rattled horribly beneath their feet. In the centre of the vault rose a heap of unburied skeletons, whereupon was seated a figure too awfully, awful even for the darkest imagination to conceive. As they approached it, the halt had a vote rung from its hellish peal of laughter. Every mouldering corpse seemed endured an unholy life. The speck Stranger paused as he grasped his victim in his hand. One side burst from his heart. One tear glistened in his eye. It was but an instant. The figure frowned awfully at his vexation, voc- and waved his gaunt hand. The stranger advanced. He made certain mystic circles in the air, uttered unearthly words, paused in excess of terror. On a sudden, he raised his voice and wildly exclaimed, spouse of the desired darkness. few moments are yet nine. Thy mayest know to whom thou hast consigned thyself. I am the only wretch, spirit of the wretch, who cursed this savior of the cross. He looked at me in his closing hour of existence, and look hath not passed away. I am close, cursed upon all, the, all on earth. I am eternally con- condemned to hell. I must cater for my master's taste. To the world is parched as a scroll, as in a scroll, the heavens and earth have passed away. I am he of whom I may have read, and whose feats I may have heard. A million souls have my master condemned me to sneer, and when my presence is accomplished, I may know the remote pose of the grave. I art the thousandth soul, I damned, I see thee and free thy hour purity. I mark thee at once from my home. Thy father did I murder his testimony. I permitted it thee of thy fate. Myself I have a gold full of my simplicity. Ah, this spell works bravely. Thy spell, oh, thou shalt soon see my sweet one. To whom there has likened twine and fortunes for long as the seasons shall move on their course of nature, as long the lightning shall flash and thunders roll, thy penance shall be eternal. Look below and see for what thy art destined. She looked at the vault split into a thousand different directions. The earth yawned asunder, the roar of the mighty waters was heard, a living ocean of molten fire glowed in the abyss beneath her. Blending with the shrieks of the damned and triumph shout triumphant shouts of the fiends rendered horrible, more horrible in imagination. Ten millions of souls were writhing in the fiery flames, as the boiling bellows dashed at them against the darkened rock blackened rocks of the adamant. They cursed the blasphemies of desire. Each curse echoed in a thunder. For an instance he held over her over the burning vista. Looked fondly in her face and wept, as if he were a child. This is what, but this was but the impulse of a moment. Again he grasped her in her, his arms, dashed her with him, her, 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 with him, from him with fury. As the last parting glance was cast in the kindness of his, his face, she aloud, "Not mine is the crime, but the religion that I professes." This is not said that there is a dry of eternity prepared the souls of the wicked. Has not uh, occurred It torments? She, she, poor girl, heard not, but he did not, his shouts of blasphemer. Gleamer, her delicate form bounded from rock to rock, one over bellow and over form. She fell, the lotion lashed itself, though in triumph to receive her soul, and she sank deep in the burning pit. Ten thousand voices were reverberated from the d- Boatless pit, abyss, spirit of evil. Here in these an eternity of torments prepared for thee, for here the worm never dies, and the fire is never quenched.
0: This is the story of the Wad. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding